Let's turn to the book of First Kings, chapter one. First Kings, chapter one. I like to start new books, don't you? Even in my Bible study, in my Bible devotional, I like when I you get to the end of a book and you got to start a new book. <laughs> it's like yes, uh, you know, you got to start a new book. It is amazing what the Lord. I got. I think I went a little faster this year. For some reason, I'm already almost in the end of the Bible, and I like to pace myself so I finish. So, so when will I think what I'm going to do when I finish my Bible reading? I'm just going to read books here and there, just until I get to the first of the year and I start fresh again, in Genesis chapter one. All right, so let's see. I, I'm trying to get there in First Kings chapter one, and let's look at verse one. Read a couple of verses here. Is uh, we look at the, we're going to go through, make a journey to this book of First Kings. Look what it says. It says, First Kings chapter 1, verse 1. Now King David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with claw, uh, claws, uh, uh, but, he, he, but he get no heat. Wherefore a servant said unto him, let it, be, let it be sought for my lord, the king, a young virgin, and let her st- stand before the king, and let her cherish him. And let her lie in thy bosom, that my lord the king may get heat. So they sought for a fair damsel throughout all the coasts of Israel, and found Abishag, uh, a Shemanite, and brought her to the king. And the damsel was very fair, and cherished the king, and ministered to him, but the king knew her not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this passage of Scripture, Lord, First Kings, a new book. We just did an introduction last week. And Lord, we come to dissect this passage today or this chapter. Just pray, Father, give us something tonight we can take home, we can apply, we can live in a way that glorifies your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So tonight we're going to look at crisis in the land. Crisis in the land. Let me ask you this question. Who likes crisis? Anybody here likes to go through crisis or likes to deal with crisis? Anybody in the sound room likes crisis? They say no. I like unanimous <laughs> over there. Uh, on this side of the aisle, anybody likes crisis? No, no crisis. Not even a little bit? Like a little? No? You know, like, you know, when you have like 16-foot waves and you have like two-foot waves. I mean, without a little, a little thing, you know, life is kind of boring, isn't it? Got to have some. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't think anybody likes crisis. You know, it, crisis always big, big stress and 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 sleepless nights and and you know nobody wants that. You know, I I don't like sleepless nights. Anybody likes sleepless sleepless nights here? Anybody like sleepless nights? What about you drink a nice coffee before you go to bed and you tell in your head that that I will sleep all night. I want to drink this coffee because I really want a coffee. You know, like I really want a coffee, but. What about you're not going to sleep? Ah, we'll sleep. And what happens? You sleep. Oh, my word. Uh, I, 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 eyes right open, looking at the ceiling, can't hear the sound. And the fan going. <laughs> and it, go to one side and go to the other side. And you, and, you, and you forget why you're not sleeping until you realize, like, oh, I drink some coffee. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sleepless. <laughs> Oh, then you get up in the morning, ready to go to bed, right? 
So usually sometimes when it does happen, it's like, well, half an hour before it's time to get up, you fall asleep. It always happened that way. I don't know why, but maybe it's just me. But anyway, <laughs> crisis. You know, I don't think anybody likes to deal with those crises and little problems. And, but let me put it this way. Every human being that lives on the earth, in this earth will find themselves dealing with crisis. That's a human thing. Where there's people, there is problems. There is issues. There is things to resolve. And uh, it happens all the time. So it's, you got to deal with those things. But, I mean, nobody likes problems. Nobody likes crisis. Nobody likes, nobody likes to deal with those things. But they come. And they come when we least expect them. And sometimes, you know, we're having a wonderful time, and there comes one knocking on your door. I'm here. Sometimes they knock on the door and ring the bell, too. And you go, oh. and sometimes they talk right, you know, they ding, ding, ding. And like if you have one of those uh, little, um, uh, like I have in my house, one of those, uh, what is called that thing with the camera? Bell. A ring bell. And it says, it says the whole house is on, uh, is on the festivity, music everywhere. Yeah, somebody's at your door. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. Like, then you have to go open the door because somebody's at the door. And it's right there. The crisis right there. Like, I'm coming in. Hi, how are you? Like, oh, go go away. So anyway, every human being that lives on this earth will find himself dealing with crisis. Not just one time in life, but many times. It's something that we deal with. I'm not saying every day. Like today, I had a ticket easy day. It was a nice day. No problems. It was so nice. You know, I've been like the, the boo-boo fixer these days, but today was no problems. I wouldn't see one, but stayed there. I didn't touch it. <laughs> so a crisis isn't that. I, mean, I want you to get this. Crisis isn't what makes a person. A crisis shows what a person is made of. You follow that? Crisis that say, well, if you go through those things, you become a better person, you mature, you deal with it. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. When we go through crisis, it displays what kind of person we are and what kind of strength we have, what kind of faith we have, how we stand for those things. So in one form or another, you find the statement uh, uh, in the writings of insightful thinkers from antiquity to the present age. Uh, it goes like this. What life does to you depends on what life finds in you. So the same sun that hardens the clay melts the ice too. You follow that? So what life does to you depends on what life finds in you. So when crisis come, how you face it, how you deal with it, how you go at it. You know, we deal many different ways. You know, it depends on the Christ too, isn't it? Some crises are harder than others. You know, some, uh, an example, uh, I don't call that a crisis. I don't know if you call that a crisis that I have in my life. I look at my granddaughter and it was very hard not to be there. It was oh, excruciating not to be there. I wanted to be there so bad. You know, especially to support my daughter to be there. But I, you know, I had to sit back and suffer oh, because she's married. <laughs> she has a family and they were taking care of the stuff. But, you know, your heart is anticipating the news. You know, when the baby is coming out of the, the, uh, um, the table from the surgery, is everything okay? Is not everything okay? Then we see these things. Everything is good. It's like, wow. Then you praise the Lord for it. But that's just a little thing. But crisis come. You know, how you deal with it. So King David, 
as we look in this passage right here, grew old, and his days, and, and his days on, uh, uh, on earth were coming to an end. Like he grew old, uh, he's uh, full of age, and he's, he's there uh, about in his last days. And because of it, the nation of Israel came to a crisis right here. Who is going to be the next king of Israel? And folks, that can be a good thing, and that can be a bad thing. When we come to elections in our country, that can be a good thing, that can be a bad thing. Depends what the next person come in, what they're going to do. So we don't know. Same thing in a church. When a pastor steps out of the scene, another pastor comes in. Oh, he looks good in the surface. Everything looks wonderful. But it can be a tremendous crisis. So they ha- happened. So David is all right here. He's about to pass the baton, so to speak, uh, to the next king. And, of course, there is a crisis in the land because now who's going to be the next king? Actually, every time, like I said, a new person takes a position of power, such as king, or like, like I said, a president, there is a potential for crisis in the nation. We don't know what type of policies this new person is going to implement as he gets in power. Some of them tell you right out, like this current president that we have, he told you everything he was going to do, and he's doing it. And you know what? And we're going through it, and it's not good. (laughs) But anyway, uh, anyway, that's another thing for another time. But anyway, we keep moving. So the kingdom of Israel was facing a crisis because King David was on his deathbed right here, he faced these. He faced these crises. Different. Uh, 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 I'm sorry. He faced these uh, these crises. Um, other, I'm sorry. I don't know what I wrote here. But anyway, let's look. <laughs> let's look at this from several points tonight. I don't know what st- statement. I just wrote the half of the statement. But anyway, that happens. I was probably thinking about something else when I was writing. So we. See, <laughs> so what we see right here, we see. King David is in the end of his life, and this is that bad. And is the nation of Israel knowing that he's about to depart, and there is about something is about to happen in the nation. A new king has to be put in place. So let's look here. What happened to the, when these crises come about? When crises come about, and you, I, you and I probably saw even that in our nation. Once some big crisis come about, what happens? Number one, the opportunists. The appurtenants come in the scene. Appurtenants. Yes, I mean, yeah, the way I say it, I'm going to say appurtenants. 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 I can get it. My tongue is not going. I'm sorry. That's my accent. Okay. So the real leader <laughs> looks at crisis uh, and asks, what can I do? Uh, I'm sorry. A real leader looks at crisis and asks, what can I do uh, that I will bless and help people. That's a real leader. A real leader is one who leads by example, who says, I'm going to go to that position. I want to help people. Well, in that position right there of power, you want somebody that's going to help the nation. David was a great king. Who was going to be the next king? So our world is full of those type of people that like to use these opportunities when crises come about. Do you see in our, in our country what happens when some crisis in our country? It, uh, this guy specializes on this thing. This guy specializes in that thing. This guy wants to sell this book. This guy wants to sell that thing. This guy wants you to watch this. And they're all using the opportunity to make a name for themselves. And people fall by the truckloads in those things, believing that to be true. I remember when, when uh, we changed the clocks to 2000. 
the year 2000. Oh, my word. It was like, like I, I remember telling my wife, I said, listen, listen, you know what? You know, we live with our banks and electronics and things. We, you know, people live with our electricity. What's going on with people? So people were using the, the, the time to make a name for themselves and make money, of course. So they, it was all kinds of things being sold. It was all kinds of nonsense being said. You know what? And it rolled to 2000, and life went on just like normal as can be. And many people got fooled <laughs> because of that. So in here right now, we're going to see that David is about to move out of the scene, but somebody is going to use the opportunity to make a name for himself. So, if you pay attention every time, like I said, our country faces a crisis, these people, they use that to make a name for themselves. They see the opportunity to make a name for themselves and to take advantage of the situation. Well, is a man here that is a... He's just doing that. His name is Adonijah. His name was the king's. He was the king's son. There was a crisis, and Adonijah was going to take advantage of it. He wanted to be what? The next king. He saw the opportunity, and he said, I'm going to be the next king. I'm going to do everything in my power, and I grab people around me. I'm going to be the next king. So let's look at this from several points here. Letter A, we see the occasion. The, what's the occasion here? From verse 1 to verse 4, we already read those verses. We see the occasion here. What's the opportunity? The king is what? Old, stricken in years, laying in bed. He's an old man. He's about to depart from the scene. You know what? What a great opportunity to take over the kingdom. See, these people, this guy knew that he was not to be the king, but he didn't care. He uses the opportunity to take advantage of it. Folks, let me tell you this. In our world, there are loads of this kind of people. Any little thing, they use the opportunity to get what they want. And they come with schemes and things. They make everything look good so they get what they want. And every time, no matter what crisis we face in our nation, you see those people. You sit back and you scratch your head and you go, I cannot believe this stuff. Every single time. So the occasion right here, Adonijah was David's older living son and, and was probably around 35 years old at this time. David's first uh, born, Ammon, was killed by Absalom, his brother, and Absalom was killed by Joab. So as David's uh, eldest son, Adonijah, fell that he deserved the throne. And after, after all, his father was sick, a sick man who, uh, who soon will die, and it was important that there was a king on the throne of Israel. Can you imagine this, this guy turned into a politician and told, told the people, you know, my father's about to die. Our nation needs a king. Can you, can you imagine the smooth words? That's why he got a crowd immediately. Oh, yeah, he's dying. Well, we, we, we're going to have a big feast right here. We're going to celebrate this thing because, you know what, he can't. He, when, it, before he dies, I have to become a king. King here. It's amazing. So like his older brother... Absalom, Adonijah saw the opportunity when David wasn't at his best and was bad fast. He was about to die. He saw the opportunity to make a name for himself. He saw the opportunity to rise to power and to be the king of Israel. That, uh, that, uh, <laughs> I tell you what, folks, 
And that's what happened. We, I mean, don't you see, I mean, is that just me? Don't you see these people that make those people that take advantage of those things? You see them all the time, and you, and you go, wow, why are these people? Do? Well, they want, want to make a name for themselves. And you know what? Many of them do. Many of them do. They know how to take advantage of situations for their own good. However, Adonijah underestimated the stigma and wisdom of an old warrior and ultimately paid for his price, for the, the, his price with, his, with his own life. Adonijah made the mistake of thinking that his father was unable to function normally and therefore intervene with his plans, but he was wrong. Instead of being uh, a sympathetic son with his father in his, in his last moments, Adonijah decided to claim the throne for himself. Can you imagine? His father isn't his dad bad about to die, and this guy, instead of being at his father's bad, he is making a name for himself. Taking advantage of the opportunity. How many people do that? Many people that do that. Number two, or let it be, we see the traitors. The traitors. Wow, we're going to see the people that, you know what, when those things come, I like the way those outline goes and swings and boom, puts into place. <laughs> you guys have too much fun in that sound room right there. Oh, wow. Did you see? You folks see that, the way that thing goes? Do it one more time. I want to see. I just caught. Look at that. <laughs> that is awesome. Okay. <laughs> so following <laughs> the example of his famous brother Absalom, Adonijah began to promote himself and generate popular support. Like Absalom, he was a handsome man and uh, man uh, who'd been... Tempered by his father. Look actually in 1 Kings 1.6 it says, And his father had not, dis- had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why thou hast done so? And he also was a very go- uh, goodly man, and his mother bare him after Absalom. So David maybe has something to blame here. You know, he pampered his son. Listen, folks. There's something wrong when we pamper our kids all the time. You know, like you know, you know like they like they live in a in a in a, in a crystal ball or something. You know, uh, let them learn with the, with the issues of life. You know, sometimes you know we we think that oh, I don't want my kids to suffer what I suffer. It's good for them. Let it let it learn with life. And right here it says two things. Right here it says that look what it says. It says and his father had not displeased him at any time. So David didn't even say anything about this this kid. Why has God done this so? Never correct this kid. He also was a very goodly man. He was a good-looking guy. And his mother bare him after Absalom. So, folks, there's always some, someone who promotes and someone who follows here. They are the thinkers, the promoters, and those people who follow the crusade right along. So why, wisely, Adonijah, with his promotion, got the support of both the army and the priesthood by enlisting, listen to this, Joab. Who in the world is Joab? Isn't that one of David's most number one generals? He got this guy in his side. And the next one is Abishar, the high priest. Like he got, I was like, I got the priesthood, I got the general, I got the kingdom. See these people, see what they do? They look for opportunities to promote themselves. Folks, nothing new here. We see this in our world every day. You see this in your neighborhood, you see this in the workplace. You ever see this in the workplace? People will smack you in the back and jump over you just to get what they want, and they even trash your name or make you look bad to get what they want. I've seen it all the time. 
So both of these men had served David for the years, for years, and had stood with him during the most difficult trials of David's life. But now they were turning against him right in his deathbed in the last days of David. These two men that David trusted just turn against him and follow his son right here. First Kings 1.7 says that he conferred with Joab, the son of uh, uh, Re- Reziah, I believe, and with Ebershah the priest and the, the, the following Adonijah uh, uh, helped him. So it is very sad when those that we trust turn against us, isn't it? Isn't it very sad? Can you imagine when David heard the news? These are people that David trusted, and they turn against him. And I think it's very sad when we have a, somebody that we deeply trust that breaks our trust like that. And David, I bet, I believe that he was really heartbroken when he heard the news about those two men that broke his trust, especially to those who are close to us. It is a painful thing to experience. Jesus experienced that. With whom? With Judas. He had 12 men, and one of them, one of them sold him. Broke his trust and went. Not like the Lord didn't know, but... Wow, he even went and kissed him before he did what he did. So Jesus experienced that with Judas. David experienced that with Joab and Abishar here. And I believe that some of us might have experienced that in our lifetime. Betrayed by a friend. You ever betrayed, been betrayed by a friend? Oh yeah, I have been betrayed by people that call themselves friends. Betrayed by a friend. Adonijah knew that the Lord had chosen Solomon... To be, the, the, to be the next king of Israel. And Joab and Abishai certainly understood this as well. Adonijah and Abishai and Joab were rebelling against the, the, the revealed will of God, forgetting that the counsel of the Lord stands forever. He knew that he had no business doing that. The same thing with Absalom when he, when he tried to do the same thing against his father. Now we have another son trying to do the same thing. But this guy is just not going to, to, to fight his father because his father, he knows his father is about to depart. My thing is, shouldn't you be at your father's bed? Shouldn't you be there and la- be there for your father's last moments? No, he's too busy trying to make a name for himself. Let us see. The faithful. The faithful. You know, in every crisis, folks, in every crisis, there are those who use the opportunity to make a name for themselves. They are the betrayers too, or the traitors that, that stab you in the back. But let me tell you, there are always those who are faithful to you. They're there. They don't move. Look what it says in verse 8. But Zadok, the priest, and Beniah, the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan, the prophet, and Shemel, and Ray, and the mighty men which belonged to David, were not with Adonijah. Wow, what a great verse. I tell you why, those men were faithful to David to the end. See, that's the friends, the people that you want to surround yourself with. No matter what, they're there for you. Joab moved away, the high priest moved away. They went with the other one, they betrayed David. But these men stayed there. Again, like his brother Absalom, uh, uh, Adonijah comes there and hosted a feast a great feast, and he, and he invited all of his brothers except Solomon. Look at verse 26, 1 Kings one twenty-six. But me, even in thy servant, and 
Zolak the priest, and Benaiah the son of, uh, of Judah, uh, Joida, and, and thy servant Solomon, had he not called. He called everybody else except Solomon. Why? Because he knew Solomon was to be the next king. He also ignored several other important leaders in the kingdom, including Zodak, the high priest, Benaiah, the, the leader of the king's personal guard, Nathan, the prophet, and David's mighty man. This was a coronation feast, and the guests were proclaiming Adonijah as king of Israel. Look at verse 25. For he is gone down the, this day, and had slain oxen, and fatty, uh, fat cattle, and sheep in abundance, and had called all the king's son, and the captain of the host, and uh, Ab- uh, Abishai the priest, and behold, they eat and drink before him, and say, God save king Adonijah. So that feast had a purpose. It was to make him a name, to put him king. So he knew what he was doing. His father wasn't as that bad. He's supposed to be there. He was not there. He was making a name for himself here, using the opportunity to make a name for himself. And these people in the feast call God save King Adonijah. You know the same thing they said with Absalom? I tell you what, it's better to be in the center of God's will than follow people like that. Because in the end, we're going to see what happens. See, perhaps some of them told that hey, uh, 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 yelling at his name, uh, King David had actually laid his hands on Adonijah and named him king. After all, Adonijah's brother were at the fe- brothers were at the feast, which suggests that they made, they made no claim to the throne. So the, some people probably assume that, that uh, David laid his hands on him and proclaimed him king. But we must be careful with looks and appearances. Sometimes what we see is not really what it is. Follow that? Some people in that feast probably thought, oh, David isn't is that bad. David lays hands on him. He's an ex-king. Let's, let's, let's call him king of Israel. But be careful, folks, because sometimes what we see is not really what it is. So we have to be careful with that. Sometimes what we see is not what it is. Sometimes, sometimes uh, we must be careful with looks and appearance because we don't know. We have to dig deep. Sometimes what we assume in our own minds is not the reality of what's going on right here. The guests were aware of the absence of Solomon, uh, Zodak, Benet, and Nathan the prophet, but they didn't ask any questions. They know they were not there. Well, where are these guys? What are they doing? Did anyone ask? Where was Nathan? Had Nathan anointed Adonijah? Did he do that? Did anybody say that? Or was, or was this a big secret? The faithful servants of God and David have been left out. An obviously clue, uh, uh, an obvious clue that Adonijah had named himself as king without any authority from David and the Lord. So Adonijah's plans were coming to pass. His father was old and in his last days, and he was planning and taking advantage of the situation and dragging people with him including many of his brothers. So he promotes himself to popularity right here. He invites everyone to a great feast. He accepts the claims of the people calling him king. Wow, this guy looks for an opportunity. I tell you what, when I was looking at this lesson, like how many people in our world does that every day? Every day. I can name you a bunch of people right now, but I'm not going to. He does this thing. So number one. So number two, we see the loyalists. 
the loyalists. One of the greatest things any leader desires, listen to this, is people who are loyal, dependable, committed to them, no matter what. That's what, it, that's what any leader needs, is people that is loyal, committed for a cause. As we look, as we look at David, David and people, uh, uh, people who hang around him for many years, but who deep inside were not loyal to David. So it was Joab and a high priest right here. And when the opportunity shows up, you know what they do? They show the true colors. And they move away. If every king had a loyal friend and advisor, it was Nathan the prophet. Nathan was very loyal to David. As we look at David, I'm not going to go down, go down a, little, a little bit here. Nathan brought the good news about God's covenant with David and his descent in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 to 17. Nathan also shepherded David through dark days when the king's, when the king's adultery with Bathsheba, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Nathan must have uh, must had musical gifts as well because he helped David organize the worship in the sanctuary, 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 25 to 26. So when Nathan heard about Adonijah's feast and his claims to the throne immediately Nathan went to work isn't that what loyal people do when we see wrong what do we do we be quiet and don't say anything because we're afraid of harm folks our world is full of fearful people something happens you know what they do they never say a word number one Nathan informs Bathsheba in verse 11 to verse 14 you know, in my job is one thing. If you see something, say something. That's what we have in my job. That, that's that's, the, that's the, the, the statement that goes on almost in every meeting. If you see something, say something. If you see somebody try to sabotage something, say something. Don't just let them do it. You know why? Because there is lives at stake. There is populations and hundreds and thousands of people that can suffer because somebody did something wrong. So they say, if you see something, say something. You know what? And then we say something, not to, to be mean and unkind to people, but if somebody does something wrong, something got to be said. Folks, too many, too, many wicked, too many wicked things go on in our world, and people simply don't say anything. So crime goes in our neighborhoods. Some people suffer this and suffer that. You know what? And nobody says anything because everybody is afraid. Afraid of what? Oh, if they find out I call, they're going to come and harm my family. Really? Say something. You know what, I think if people say, would say something, a lot of the crime would stop, too. Because when we don't do, we don't say something, we allow those things to happen. We cover it up. So they go on and commit others and hurt more people. So what they do, they act like they didn't see it. They turn their eye to the other way or the other side and never really let anyone know what's going on. We see that with the domestic violence, and nobody says anything. We have adults sexually abused, uh, do abuse kids, and nobody says anything. We have young people committing crimes, but nobody says anything because everybody is afraid. If you see something, say something. Nathan does something here. He sees something. You know what he does? He goes to Beersheba. He said, this is what I saw. We're going to look into this. So Nathan saw something. And he did something about it. He went and informed Bathsheba of what was going on with Adonijah. He told her about the, the, the feast that was going on. So Bathsheba sends the birth, uh, 
Since the birth of Solomon, we must not uh, conclude that he sh uh, she had been unimportant in the affairs of the palace. Because when we look on the, when people talk about Bathsheba, it's like, oh, that she was an adulterous woman. People like to title people that way. I think Bathsheba did a lot more than just that. She was in the palace. She was one, one of the king's wives. You know what? For sure, it was her son who had to be the next king, not Adonijah, to succeed there. So, now the fact that Nathan turned immediately, Bathsheba suggests that he knew what the future queen mother could do. Get this. It is unfortunate that too many people think that Bathsheba, like I said, only as a, was an adulterous woman. Unfortunately, many people are known and marked by a mistake that they have done in the past. God forgives our mistakes when we ask forgiveness. But the people don't seem to forget. People mark us for something that we did and we've been forgiven. And in my place where I work is a, is a good place to nickname people. Especially if you make one, one, one big boo-boo. They, they called you the boo-boo for the longest time. And you become that name. It is so, un, so cold and un, uncaring. So God forgives our mistakes when we ask forgiveness. But people seem to not forget. They mark, they mark them. And in many cases, they even nickname them. So no one will ever forget of what they have done. Folks, it was this woman Bathsheba whose intervention uh, that saved Israel from disaster at a critical hour. Listen, folks, this was a critical hour in the life of the nation. Something needed to be done here. This guy was claiming or using the opportunity to be the next king of Israel, but God already said the next king of Israel was going to be Solomon. You know what? The forces of evil were at work right here. Somebody saw something. Somebody needed to see something. Let it be. Bathsheba informs David. Nathan tells Bathsheba. Bathsheba tells David. He said, well, it's a bunch of, bunch of gossip. But that's not gossip. Gossip is passing wrong information. This is right information right here. This is something that is crucial in the nation of Israel. Look what it says in verse 15. And Bathsheba went into the king, into the chambers, and the king was very old. And Abishad the Shemanite ministered unto the king. And Bathsheba bowed and did a bit unto the king. And the king said, What hourest thou? And she said unto him, My lord, thou swearest by the Lord thy God unto thine handmaid, saying, Surely Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. And now behold, Adonijah reigneth, and now, my lord, the king, thou knowest it not. And he, and he goes on to explain here, we're not going to read all these verses, but uh, anyway, we could see what she comes. She comes and informs the king of what's going on right here. So David swore that Solomon would be the next king. Nathan and Bathsheba knew that David had promised that Solomon would be the next king because Solomon was God's choice. So David publicly pronounced the appointment of Solomon when he announced the building of the temple in 1 Chronicles chapter 22 to 28. So Nathan and Bathsheba simply asked David if he was going to keep his word. There's a lesson for all of us here tonight. Keeping your word. They went, Bathsheba went to the chambers. And after Bathsheba was there, guess who came after Bathsheba? Nathan came after Bathsheba. They simply asked him, are you going to keep your word? Folks, in those days, a word was a word. 
Today, a word means nothing. People change their minds, they say, all the time. So it's a lesson for us to learn here. Are you a person of your words? Are you? Do you keep your word or you change your mind constantly? Let me simplify this. Do you uphold your words? Do you follow up on your promises? Folks, we live in a time on which people don't uphold their words any longer. Many don't mean what they say. At least that's what they say. I mean, from their actions. Uh, they say one thing, but they change their words constantly. So it's hard to trust anyone. Because you know why? They don't keep their word. Bathsheba bowed before the king. We see this there. And then reminds him of his, of his promise that Solomon will be the next king of Israel. So next, let us see. We see, we see Nathan informs David. This looks from verse 22. Look what it says. And lo, while she yet, she, was, she yet talked with the king. So Bathsheba was talking with the king. Guess who comes in? Nathan the prophet also came in. Man, this guy, you know, he couldn't take it. Because she, he informs Bathsheba, she goes to the king, and he's probably like having anxiety attack. He's going back and forth. He said, i got to go in. So he goes right in the chambers, and, and she's still there. And now there's two people there. And, he, and, he, and they told the king, they told the king, saying, Behold, Nathan the prophet, and when he was uh, come uh, in, in before the king, he bombed himself before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord, O king, thou hast said, Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. He's asking him a question. Did you say that he's going to be the next king? For he has gone down this day, and had slain oxen, and fed cattle, and sheep, and a balance, and called all the king's sons, and captains of the host, and uh, Abishad the priest, and behold, they ate and drink before him, and say, God save king Adonijah. But me, even me, thy servant, and he goes on to say, and look what it says in verse 27, it says, In this, this thing uh, done by my lord the king, as thou hast not shown it unto thy servant, you, shall, uh, you should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. We see question after question right here. He's going like, uh, did you do this? Is that you doing? You did this in secret that nobody knows? I want to know. Nathan enters the bedchamber and asks the king two questions here. David, did David announce that Bathsheba would sit on the throne, on the, on the throne, in the throne of Israel? Did King David did this in secret without telling his servants, the prophet? So Nathan was very specific with his questions. He wanted to know if Adonijah was acting uh, on his own or, or David broke his promises towards Solomon. Uh, sandwiched between these two questions was his report and that, that Adonijah was now celebrating his coronation here. So all the king's sons except Solomon were now celebrating his coronation. Uh, and, and of course Nathan didn't, didn't mention uh, Joab, but Bathsheba had already done that. It's very likely that, that Nathan's recitation of these facts brought to David's memory the terrible days of Absalom rebellion when the other son rebelled against him. And he didn't want the nation to experience another civil war. So Nathan was a prophet of the Lord and a loyal friend of David. I believe that Nathan and David uh, and, uh, uh, had a good and deep relationship with one another there. The reason we see Nathan here walking into the bad chambers of David asking him specific questions. He was concerned about David and the nation of Israel. Folks, 
When we have a friend that is suffering, when we have a friend, when we see a crisis like that, if we care and see something, you know what we do? We say something. So if you see something, say something. Number three, we see the king. We see the king. David responds immediately to the crisis and told Nathan that to call Bathsheba to his bedside, the two were alone. We see this in verse 32. David spoke to Bathsheba and reaffirms there the fact that her son Solomon was to be the next king of Israel. He had sworn this to her privately and would not back down what is owed. So, if David was saying that, was Adonijah doing? He was using the opportunity to make himself king. You see, if David waited too long, Adonijah's rebellion grew in strength. Let me put something right here. What happened if Nathan didn't tell uh, uh, Bathsheba, if Bathsheba didn't tell the king? What happened if those two people didn't walk into the, uh, the king's chamber and told him what they saw? Adonijah would become the king. Solomon probably would die and his, and his mother, and it would be a civil war in Israel. You know what? When you see something, say something. Say it. Especially when you think something goes wrong going on, say something. Approach the people and say something. See, he didn't go to Adonijah and said, what are you doing? No, no, no. He went to the right person. He went right to David. Your son is doing this down there. By making Solomon king immediately, David stayed in control and Solomon would, would, would do to binding right here. So Solomon was no longer merely prince or even heir of the throne. He was now a co-regent with his father and the king of Israel. Letter A, we see the king's instruction. Look at verse 30. Even as I swear unto thee, the Lord God of Israel, saying, Surely Solomon, thy son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne in my stead, even so I will, I will certainly do this day. David didn't stop. David didn't wait. we do this next week, tonight, this very moment. Call the kid here. David then asked to call his loyal servants. We see this in verse uh, 32, all the way to verse 34. David instructions them to proclaim uh, Solomon's king in a public demonstration in uh, Heon right here. This was an important phrase of spring on, uh, on the eastern slope of Mount Zion, less than a mile up the valley north uh, from En Rajal, where Adonijah was hosting his great feast. Would take long, wouldn't take long before the news would get to Adonijah. Because now David... Uh, made uh, uh, Solomon king. Now there's going to be a great celebration. It's going to be trumpets and sounds and things. And Adonijah is going to say, what in the world's going on on the other side? Be careful when you take, try to take advantage of things because we, the, it, can, it can come all the way around and hurt you in the face. And Adonijah is going to see that he made a horrendous mistake. So did his brother Absalom. So Solomon was in the rides. David's uh, the, uh, he rides uh, David's royal mule, and it was to be announced that Solomon was sharing David's throne as king, and it would be David's successor. Though the trumpet would be blown, declaring to the people that it would that, that this was an official event. Solomon was not king and ruler over all Israel and Judah. The question is, why was David acting so quick? David knew what happened in the past with what? His other son Absalom. 
He knew what could happen. He had to run away from the, from the palace so he ordered to keep people alive so it wouldn't be much casualties. So Adonijah was an opportunist right here and, and was looking for, for himself and David saw it by acting quick that would stop the situation from escalating any further. Civil war only brings pain and destruction to a nation. What comes out of a civil war? I praise the Lord I've never been involved in wars or be part of wars, but I tell you what, what happened in America during the Civil War? Tremendous destruction. How many people die and families destroyed? Civil wars, never good. David knew that, that, uh, that and gives the power necessary to his royal servants to act immediately. So this Adonijah right here, he was looking for the opportunity to make himself king, learns the hard way. Let it be we see the king's news. From this, we see this from verse 38 to verse 40. Look what it says actually. This is good. In verse 40, look what it says. And all the people came up after him, and the people, and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy, so that the earth rent with the sound of them. You know, David made that, like, you know what, go celebrate it. Solomon is the new king. And they're going through the streets with those pipes and instruments, blowing hard and rejoicing, and, you know, all kinds of noise. David's faithful servants proceed by David's personal troops, obeyed David's instruction to the latter, and announced to all Israel that Solomon was a new king. All this happened because, what? Somebody saw something, and somebody, what, said something. Listen, if you see injustice, say something. What the Adonijah was doing, it was rebelling against God's will. The forces of evil were working. Nathan the prophet saw it. Oh, he did something about it. If you see something, say something. Now, what happens to this Adonijah, this guy that tries... Instead of being at his father's bedside, as his father is about to depart from this world, he's trying to use the, try to use the opportunity to make a name for himself. So the shouting of the people traveled down the valley and reached the place where Adonijah was having this great feast. The Bible says that they, they heard the shouting and the sound of the trumpet and wondered what was going on in Jerusalem. Did David die? Was this a declaration of war? The question answered by the arrival of Jonathan the son of Abishah, the priest who had assisted David during Absalom's rebellion. Adonijah thought that Jonathan was bringing good news. But he turned out to be the worst possible news for Adonijah. And imagine, what's the news? The king died and my father died. Can you imagine that? Then my father died with a smile on his face. Yeah, I'm going to be the king now because he's dead. Shouldn't you be there at your father's bedside? And you know what? Look what it says in verse 49. And all the guests that were with Adonijah, all the people that were there in that feast, look what happened to them, were afraid and rose up and went every man his way. Why they were afraid? They're acting rebellious against the will of God and the will of the king. When they heard the news, they knew their life was on the line. They knew that Solomon, as a new king, could go and kill them all. And they knew that. 
Look what it says in verse 50. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon and arose and went and caught hold of the horns of the altar. He thought he was going to, going to spare his life there because, you know, he was in the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah feared King Solomon. For lo, he had caught hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear unto me today that he will not slay his servant with the sword. Negotiations. Isn't that what those people that like to size the opportunities do? When things don't go their way, they try to negotiate. They somehow, somewhere, they try to, they, oh, they got caught, but still they don't want to admit that they're wrong. This guy right here, he doesn't want to admit, oh, goodness, now my, I'm going to lose my life. Now I'm going to hold, I'm going to negotiate with my brother. So, Adonijah flees. What happened? It wouldn't be good for this guy to stay at his father's bad side and let the will of God be done and be there for his brother and that he knew that he was going to be the next king of Israel. I tell you folks, when we go against God's will, we never win. We never win. God has a will. And if God has a plan and a will, if we think we're going to stand against his will and plan, we're going to lose. That's what happened to this man. It happened to Absalom, his brother. He didn't learn from Absalom, his brother, and he tried to do exactly the same thing. We're going to see the next week what's going to happen to this guy. So I conclude with this. Sometimes things don't work for those who like to take opportunities or opportunity of crisis in the lives of others. They see the situation, try to take advantage of it. Many times it works, but some other times they get caught. Adonijah got caught. And Adonijah is afraid for his life. Solomon could have him executed. He was, it was in an altar there, and Adonijah took hold of the horns of the altar, which is what people in danger did before the establishment of the six cities of refuge. And he did, he tried to, tried to, Plead for his life. Look what it says in verse 52. It says, And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, they shall not hear of him fall to the earth. But if wickedness shall be found in him, he shall die. You see, now, you know that is a controversy between those two brothers. Because one... There's no doubt if Adonijah became the king, Solomon would be a dead man. So was Bathsheba. But let me tell you this here. Now that he got caught, Solomon says, if he show himself to be a man that honors the king and lives under the law and respects and don't get himself and try to overtake me, he will be fine. That's what Solomon says right here. Thou should not hear of him fall to the earth. But if wickedness shall be found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon was sent, and they brought him down from the altar. And he came and bowed himself to the king, to King Solomon. And Solomon said, go to thy house. Folks, that is mercy there. That is mercy there. Many other kings in that, in that spot right there would just kill the men there. 
Solomon shows, shows mercy there because this man right here, which was his brother, was about to take the kingdom. Solomon showed mercy to his brother in Jerusalem. This amount, this uh, amount of to a house uh, arrest here because the king's guard could keep Adonijah on the constant surveillance right here. So Solomon also warned his brother to be careful of how he behaved for as an uh, uh, insurgent, Adonijah was worthy of that of what he did. He went against the king, David. He went against God. He would try to take the, the kingdom by his own conniving plans. If he stepped out of line, he would be executed. May we be honest with people. Or be honest people. We are content trusting the Lord to guide us and take care of us. May we not be people who try to size opportunities to get ahead in life. Listen, folks. God will take care of us. God will take care of us. Listen, folks. There are many people who like to use crises in other people's lives to get ahead, to get what they want, to, to promote themselves. So is Adonijah here. But I tell you what, if we are God's people, we should trust the Lord. He will take care of us. Right where we are, God will take care of us. And again, like I said this again, as I close, when God have a plan, no one is going to deviate God from his plan. No one. Look at the gospel. Look at the gospel. How many people try to destroy the Bible for once? How many people try to put Christians in prison and stuff? Guess what? The gospel kept moving forward to this very day. You know why? Because it's the plan and it's the will of God. And no one's going to stop that. No one's going to stop. The gospel keep on going. I will pass out of the scene. Others, others will pass out of the scene. You know what? Like God would send more workers to the fields. God keep on sending people to the field. You know why? Because that is his plan. That's God's plan. So if this guy at Anajah told that he was going to deviate God's plan to get what he wants, you know what? He was playing with the wrong things. Because God's will was for Solomon to be the next king. And you know what? We're going to look in the next chapter next week. This guy is going to pay because this guy try to overtake Solomon as the king of Israel. And Solomon followed exactly what he said. If you step out of line, you will lose your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Help us, Lord, to stick with your plan, to trust you, Lord, in everything, Lord. We do good if we trust you. We do good, Lord, if we follow your will. Lord, Nathan so wickedness. And he did something about it. He did just turn his eyes and close his eyes and walk away and shrink his shoulders, Lord. He saw something. He did something about it. Help us to be that way. Help us, Lord. If we see wickedness being done, help us to say something. Lord, give us the strength that we need to say something. And Lord, because of Nathan, there was no civil war in Israel. There was no such as Adonijah trying try to take over the kingdom. Lord, your will was done. Your plan moved forward because of one man who decided to do something because of the wickedness of the land, Lord. I just pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.